Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, Playmakers? Hey, friends. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are so happy you're here. Thanks for being a part of our community. If you are new, welcome to More Than a Season podcast. I am Brittany. And I'm Ashley. And we're just so thankful to have this community. And you know that it's our favorite part of the week when we just get to chat and meet new people and really just share um, some of the topics and things going on with other playmakers. We would really, really appreciate if you guys wouldn't mind just pausing right here where you're at, giving us a follow, giving us a review. It helps others in the community be able to find us, and it also just makes our day. So we would absolutely love if you wouldn't mind doing that right now. Yeah, Brittany and I were, before we started recording, we were talking about the different ways that we were raised, and I know that this is like a touchy topic, but (laughs) we want to kind of see the differences between each other, like how we grew up differently, and it may be similar, we don't know, but... Were you grounded? Were you spanked? Like, I'm putting it all out there. Yes, I was grounded and spanked. But I swear, like, my dad spanked me probably one time because the (laughs) one time I was like, okay, never again. Like, whatever you say, I will do. Like, yeah, I swear, if my dad came, like, he was going to spank me, I'm like, okay, I'm good. Was it the hand or was it the spoon? Oh, no, hand. Yeah. Yeah, I got spanked a lot. Um, It was my mom. My dad never spanked me. Um, But it was mainly my mouth that got me in trouble. It was all sass. But... Speaking of, Carson never got spanked or grounded. He only got Tabasco, like to his mouth. Oh, like if yeah. he said anything bad, which I think is so Like bad words. Yeah. yeah. Drew, didn't, Drew never got spanked either. I asked him about that too. I'm like, did you ever? And he's like, no. I think it's just so interesting too. Like he had older siblings, which I know Carson did too. Mm-hmm. Like Carson was a lot different in age than his older siblings. So I was made to be the the bad guy <laughs> since I was like the older child. I was like, you know, the one who had to follow all of the rules and had to like to wait to get a phone until I was a certain age yeah. and all of that. My brother did not have to do that. Yeah, I think that I had, I think I had strict parents. Like some people are like, no, that's normal. But I had a really strict curfew. Um, and actually when I was in high school, the older I got, the earlier it became because I think, I still think to this day that my mom thought I was out like just partying it up like in the city, <laughs> which I wasn't. But it's so funny because the curfew was definitely a thing and I got grounded and I will never forget why I got grounded. I don't know if kids still do this anymore, but do they still teepee houses? I don't know. I was talking about that the other day too because I heard someone on a podcast say that they had teepeed a house and that they got in trouble for it. And I was like, do people even do that? I don't think so. Yeah, so we love doing it. Like that was my favorite pastime. And I know that it's really cruel because you got to pick it up. And I've had my fair share of teepee because our front yard had so many trees. But what I did to get in trouble is I went out and I, I literally teepeed this house with other friends came off the roof we were on the roof of this house throwing the rolls to the to the tree and this policeman came by and he's like hey get off so we what do we do we run like we run as fast (laughs) as we can get into a ditch soaking wet clothes and so we make it all the way back to my house and we get inside and we're sitting there and we're drenched like in mud 
and the policeman came and knocked on the door because he had Followed saw you. yeah he saw <laughs> that we got in there and my mom was like no my you know my kids were home like there was nothing really going on and I come downstairs and I'm covered in mud like I had run upstairs oh, so no. yeah grounded for me did she know that you snuck out or she didn't know that you no snuck she out? didn't know oh. yeah but it was in the neighborhood it's not like I was like way far away but yeah I definitely got grounded and I get everything taken away like car oh, yeah. phone everything I never snuck out. I was like super scared to sneak out ever, but I would always get grounded. And I was the type of kid that like really cared about like TV and my phone and like all of that stuff. And so the second my parents were like, okay, well, you're going to get your phone taken away. I was like, oh no, please. I'm sorry. But my brother, oh my gosh, I (laughs) swear to this day, I told my mom, I'm like, I don't know how you did it. I'm going to probably have a child like him because he drives me crazy because he's the type of kid that like Okay, take away my phone. Oh, that's okay, the worst. Take away yeah. my, my parents literally one time took away every single thing in his room. He was just in an empty room <laughs> for like hours and hours and hours. And he was just like, cool. Like, yeah. I'm totally fine. Yeah, my brother, I have a brother that's a little bit younger than me. And then I have identical twin sisters. And they're the exact same way. I do I do believe that the rules change after one oh, yeah. kid to three to four because they get tired. Parents, yeah, parents get tired. are like, whatever. I don't care what you do. And I don't blame them. Now that I get older and I see that, I'm like, heck yep. yeah. I'll be like, whatever. I really don't care. Yes. Just be safe and don't do anything super crazy, I guess. Yes. And my twin sisters, they would like cover for each other. And I'd get so mad. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't know and twins run in my family so I think you know I'm set to have twins maybe one day it just I feel like that's what's coming oh, but no. <laughs> I, I don't know I'm like my hands will be full one day I swear I don't know how like parents do it now especially with all the technology and stuff like that because before that like phones were just really for texting so like mm-hmm. you weren't like surfing the internet right you were just like texting your friends and then AIM always got taken away which was like my nightmare <laughs> that AIM would get taken away but every time like my brother and I would get in trouble we would like band together like we could be in the worst fight ever and then the second we both got grounded or sent to our rooms we're mm-hmm. like okay do you want to devise a plan like we'll both be really <laughs> nice I was telling Drew this the other day like okay if you go in my room my parents still live in the same house that I grew up in I know yours do too mm-hmm. and if you go in my room in the closet there's a small hole because my brother and my room is right next to each other. We share a wall with our closet. <laughs> to communicate. We thought we were going to like put a hole in the wall, like a body sized hole that we could go back and forth to each other's rooms, but like we'd still be in our room and be in trouble. Oh, no. that's brilliant. Yeah, but that hole never got <laughs> bigger than like a little tiny people. Like we had no idea what we were doing. So no, no, no. Just fun childhood memories, you know? Yes. Kids are so funny. I was such a funny kid. And actually today on the podcast, you'll hear just all the wisdom about children and actually twins. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey has twins. And just talking about navigating life with twins and a special needs child. Yes, she really does just drop all of the wisdom. She is such a powerful, strong woman. She just goes through and tells us they're in the basketball industry and she's co-parenting with her ex. She's got twin boys that are five years old and one of them is special needs and then she's also a teacher at a school for the blind so she just like does it all she is honestly just so inspiring yeah and what I really love about our conversation is how rooted in who she is and just open about talking about all these things because they're not easy topics it is not it is hard and I think that a lot of us as women we just feel this heavy burden of a lot of things are our fault or that we should be able to control the outcomes of things and she just is really honest and lets you know that she's going through some stuff she really does you guys will really enjoy this episode and we will see you on the other side 
We will be back in just a moment, but first we want to share a discount code from one of our favorite game day brands. I swear, it is so hard to find clear game day bags that are stadium approved, but also cute. Every single year I'd purchase a game day bag from Amazon and it never failed that during the game, my stuff would break and I'd be holding all of my items in my hand. And so we finally found sheer gear handbags and I have the EV with black trim and gold accents. Yeah, we absolutely love this brand. I personally have the Ella bucket bag with silver trim. What's great about these bags is that you can start the personalization from the beginning. There's the options of silver, black, and gold. And also you can select the color of your tassel, which can easily be changed out when you move. Every bag also comes with an accessory pouch, which will hide all of your intimate items. And you can customize this accessory pouch with your name or even your initials if you want to. So go to sheergear.com and use our promo code more than a season 10 for 10% off any clear bag. We're happy to have you guys back for another interview. We have a special guest here from the basketball world, but we are talking way more than just basketball. But we're going to hand it on over to her and let her introduce herself. Hi guys. So my name is Casey Oslander. My husband is John Oslander. He is an associate head basketball coach at Coppin State University here in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, We've been here for about three years now. I think we just, yeah, we're going on three years. And John, John's actually been there for a couple more seasons before that, but he was making that commute from Virginia at the time, which is where we were living prior to here. Wow. Yeah, I want to touch on basketball. So I know that coaching, we have done a couple interviews with basketball before and coaching with a smaller group of people. And with football, the staff is so much bigger. So we've been learning a lot about how many coaches are with basketball and all the moving and different things like that. So did you meet your husband in Maryland or where did you meet him um, along this journey that he was in? So ironic enough, I was actually just listening to one of your podcasts and we met online. Um, I was living in Virginia at the time. He was also living in Virginia at the time, but was working in Maryland and we met on Bumble. Love it. I love love it. it. Yep. So how'd it go? I want to hear the like dating part of it. (laughs) Like give me the, give me the juicy (laughs) details. So funny enough, It was one of those things where someone who immediately caught my eye, Mm -hmm. um, hard not to, when you have so many things in common, my life, I grew up around basketball. I grew up around sports. It's something that I held near and dear to my heart. Um, and I, I really wanted to find a partner who also had those qualities that I knew basketball without a doubt would bring you up around. So we had only talked for, I want to say maybe two or three days on the actual app and decided to have our first date, which he drove all the way down to Virginia, straight from Maryland. And we just immediately hit it off. I still remember like the first time I saw him, I was starstruck, like, oh my God, this man's amazing. (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, it was just one of those dates where you literally did not want the night to end. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think it wasn't until like maybe three or 4am that we finally ended up like probably getting kicked out of the restaurant and he dropped me back off. I still give him crap though, because I was so hesitant. He is very old school. And so he was really wanting to pick me up for our first date. Mm -hmm. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, 
oh, like today's day and age, the horror stories I've heard, like, I don't want you to have my address, like, so weirded out at first. And then I don't know, something just like with the comfortability and the background checks that I've done. (laughs) Um, The truth comes out. Yes. (laughs) I was like, well, his record's okay. Always. But no, I mean, picked me up for the first date out of the car, walked around to my side, like opening my door was like that for the rest of the night. And yeah, just, I mean, we obviously had our first kiss that night at the goodbye and it was kind of sealed from there. So that next day he had a game against like their biggest rival, which is Morgan state. And had I known this now, I would have been like, no way you would never do that. But usually like when they are in season, that is all this man does. Right. So to say that I was shocked was (laughs) putting it very, very small, but yeah, I I was surprised that he even went on the date the night before they had the Morgan state game. And he, he actually left right after that game and came all the way back down to Virginia just for us to have another dinner date. Wow. Wow. And it was like that, honestly, since the first night that we had met. So a lot of people probably don't believe me, but after our first date, every single day we saw each other. And a lot of that was on his part of making that commute, which if anyone's familiar with the DMV area, 95 is awful. There's always traffic. So he was waking up early in the morning, driving all the way up to Baltimore area, which is a big commute and leaving right off bat. And he would actually drive back down. And I was adamant on not introducing him to the boys yet. Obviously I have twin boys, five-year-old. They had just turned two at the time. Mm -hmm. And I just, I never introduced them to another male figure. So that was something that I was very big on. And he would sit in Starbucks for like three to five hours until the boys would go down for bed just so we could have like our own, our own time for a dinner date or whatever. So, okay. I want to talk a little bit about like introducing your boys and like when you finally did that, because I think we have a lot of people in this industry that are co-parenting with, you know, past relationships. And so when was that moment for you where you felt comfortable enough to introduce your children to this new man that you were dating, even though you kind of felt that instant connection when was like the time that you decided this was okay? Truthfully, it was quite shocking. I had actually dated a man prior to him for about five or six months, I'd say. And there was never that sense in my mind or in my heart that I was like, I'm ready to take that step forward of you introducing the boys. Even envisioning it was very hard. And it's not that there was any red flags from him by any means. It would, it just wasn't there for me. And it was being in the education background, I'm very firm on not having those relationships start if they're not intended to last. Mm -hmm. So that was something that was very important to me. John had actually met the boys. I want to say about a month into our relationship, which If I was from the outside looking in, a lot of times I feel like people would be like, what the heck? (laughs) And I just knew somehow. I mean, it's not something that I can really put my finger on. I think that a lot of people have to go based off of how they're feeling, Mm -hmm. but also know the logistics of things. And it doesn't always turn out as fortunate as we are in our relationship. But no, I mean, he had an instant connection from the get-go 
it was immediately basketball in the hands playing around the boys were in their phase already of loving balls and so we were actually just looking back at those videos the other night and I was looking through them with the boys and just seeing like how far they've developed over the years Mm -hmm. and showing them videos of you know where they started from the first time that they were ever on the Coppin court and how little they are and how they were shooting the ball and running around to where they are now, which is insane. Crazy how fast the time has flown. Yeah, I want to talk about co-parenting a little bit because kind of coming off of what Brittany's question is, because I find it fascinating alone that you have to do the basketball lifestyle and there's that schedule thrown in. And then now you're having to accommodate somebody else's schedule on the outside of that to make sure the boys see their dad. And so I get that that can add a little bit more stress to the schedule and planning, especially during the sports season of basketball. So can you kind of share with us what works for y'all? What have you done in the past to just make sure that the boys feel comfortable and they're balanced in their routine during the season? A hundred percent. And I I will admit with this, I specifically have never really been open about on social media or even just in a lot of conversations with my group of friends, things like that, just because I feel like that there's a a stigma, right. Mm -hmm. But B at the same time, I was going through an awful custody battle Mm -hmm. to where it was, I was so used to doing things on my own and essentially being that only parent and doing things my way and being on our schedule and having everything set in place Mm -hmm. to when it did come to a point where their dad was wanting that time, it was hard. Mm -hmm. And I mean, especially once things went to court, once things went to court, I felt like that's when it really hit the fan. Mm -hmm. Um, That's when reality really set in. And it's just one of those things that you can't I mean, I feel for every single mom that's going through that. And to say that, you know, we have been through the ringer the past couple of years when it comes to a custody battle, that's putting it very simple. There's a lot of ugliness to it. And I think that a lot of people are afraid to speak up Mm -hmm. in fear of being judged. I think that a lot of people like me were also afraid to say anything whenever it came to social media, just because you're so afraid of what is going to be used against you in these moments. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but I mean, you don't ever want to bash another parent and that's not something that I would ever want to do with my ex. And, you know, I want the boys to be raised in a healthy environment and being able to have that love and share that between both of our homes. But at the end of the day, I mean, we, we went through a lot in our relationship and a lot in a little amount of time when I say that with my ex. So when it came to court to hear the things that are thrown out Mm -hmm. to a judge about you Mm -hmm. that are completely false and that someone knows is completely false those things really set in those things really stick with you and they hurt and i mean it's just the the amount of money oh my goodness don't even get me started on that (laughs) the amount of money that that we spent over this but no i mean it's the schedule that we have right now it is Every other weekend, they go with their dad. He is now here living in the Baltimore, Maryland area. And then they now have a visitation dinner once a week and an overnight once a week. But I feel like one thing that as a parent that was going through this, I was constantly searching for is like, what is the right schedule? Mm -hmm. And seeing like, you know, what do judges typically recommend? 
our situation was so much different. We have a special needs child. And unfortunately, our priorities, our schedule looks different and his needs are different. But not only that, when you're dealing with younger children, you cannot have them going back and forth between two homes. You just can't do it. So, I mean, thankfully at the end of it, you know, they realized that I have always been their constant Mm -hmm. and we're never going to shut their father out by any means. You know, I want that relationship to develop. I want that relationship to continue and grow. And I, I mean, right now we're calm. We're, we're in a, we're probably in like the best place that we have been as co-parents. Whereas that, that hasn't been the case. It's been very minimal communication. It's been hard in scheduling where that makes it extremely difficult. If you can't have that openness and that line of communication with one another. And it's very, it's very evident to the kids too. Yeah. Yeah. We really appreciate you sharing. I know that's tough. And I know that other people will appreciate going through the same thing as I'm sure you did leaning on other people that have been through similar situations. You know, I think sometimes things like this get glamorized and, you know, people do have good situations and that's great, but other people go through struggles. And so we really appreciate you sharing, you know, your whole situation in the past, I've talked to other people and you have to like live in the same area as your ex does, or he has to live in the same area that you do with basketball, with this situation that, you know, we're all constantly in of maybe moving at some point. Has that been like a topic that you guys have talked about? Or is that something that has to come up with these negotiations? So, I mean, it's been discussed over the years for sure. I think that, you know, we had all kind of had this, it's, it's Maryland, it's Maryland right now mindset. And a big part of that was, you know, our move up here was specifically for Braden's care. Mm -hmm. Um, He goes to Johns Hopkins and Kennedy Krieger, which are both Mm well-known hospitals, institutes in this area. And prior to that, he was at VCU in Virginia. And my goal was just knowing how crucial of an age he was at Mm -hmm. having the most beneficial therapy that we could get him into at that time to give him the best outlook on what his future would look like. Mm -hmm. That was actually one thing that was so heavy on my heart meeting John, because I knew that when things did get to that point or what that future might look like, I was so afraid it was going to be something where he was just like, Oh, yep. See ya. Like, this is my career, Mm -hmm. which probably 90% of people would have done. And it's something that I was honestly the one to often bring up to him, like, Hey, just making sure like you do know this, you know, (laughs) and this is the situation. And I still even remember like right before we were getting married, I was like, one more time, just letting you know, (laughs) take the last chance. But no, I mean, he's always been someone who is a problem solver Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where we, we really balance each other out. I kind of tend to stress a lot more where he's like, let's sit down, let's figure this out. Like we're going to solve it. We're good. And I started thinking of like all the negative outcomes that could possibly be (laughs) as of right now. I mean, we are in Maryland. I have briefly started to discuss with their dads, just like the potential of what else there may be out there. Mm -hmm. And if that's what happens, that's what, that's what happens. And the, the unfortunate thing, as you guys know, you never know from season to season, what offers are going to come your way, where you're going to end up. But yeah, right now, Baltimore, Maryland is our home. (laughs) 
No, that's a good way to put it because you never know, like you said, what offer is going to come your way. And you almost have to prepare your mind, be like, okay, well, scenario X, Y, and Z, this is what could happen. Here's where we could go. But I want to talk a little bit about raising a child with special needs because they're twins. So I know that that is double the trouble when you have kiddos running around and being um, fast little movers when they're young. And I just want to kind of discuss what does that look like? What kind of special needs does your child have? And what have you learned as a person and a mother from having a special needs child? So life is chaos, <laughs> to put it simply. You know, essentially, it's really all that I've known as a mother. Unfortunately, twins, of course, have been difficult and just trying to navigate my way. There's pros and cons with twins. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. We are at a phase right now where they are already acting like teenagers. And I'm like, Lord, send me help. It's awful. They're already like back talking. I'm getting whatever's and X, Y, and Z. I don't get it. But no, I mean, it's been a hard past couple of years. And I feel like every single time, you know, I talk with family or friends and they're like, oh, it gets so much easier when they're three. Oh, it gets so much easier when they're four. And I'm like, y'all, we are at five and it, it's gone nowhere. Um, so they're like, sorry, I guess I lied. But no, it's definitely has challenges specifically when you're talking about a child with special needs. So I think that in particular has probably been one of the things that I've struggled with the most as a mom and trying to like find that community. Mm -hmm. And I say that in the fact that I'm a part of a ton of organizations when it comes to children with traumatic brain injuries, cerebral palsy, like education systems, X, Y, and Z. But you kind of feel, well, at least I kind of feel like you go into these groups and you see children who have much higher needs mm -hmm. than what your child needs. And you're kind of like in that blessed moment. And then you kind of have the children that are a little bit beneath. But a lot of the times it's like you feel this sense of guilt for, you know, the way that you're feeling because you know that it can, it could be worse. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've never really been active necessarily in those groups. It's kind of been more like sit back research when I have a question that I need answered, mm -hmm. but that's, that's definitely been one of the hardest things. And, you know, a little background knowledge. So Brayden was not born with cerebral palsy. It happened through a traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. He was actually only eight days old when this happened. And it's something that doctors were like absolutely shocked by, but no, we had just gotten home from the hospital. We were staying with my ex's family at the time. And it was just in a split moment, your whole world changes. Yeah. And it's something that I've replayed in my mind more times than I could ever count. But we had a dog take him out of a baby swing that he was sleeping in. And when I came back into that room to, you know, find my son, he was in a pool of blood. Um, and at that point, we did not, yeah. you know, expect much of that moment. And to see how far he's come from that. Mm -hmm. It's been an absolute miracle. I mean, he was life flighted down to VCU immediately into surgery. And it was kind of just like a waiting game from there. Mm -hmm. But I mean, he suffered 
you're talking over 30 laceration marks to his face. Like if I showed you pictures, you'd be in shock that, you know, looking at who he is today and basically lost half of his brain to where when children are so young and they have these traumatic brain injuries, doctors can never necessarily predict what that outcome is going to be. Mm-hmm. The term that they use is that their, their brains are so plastic where you don't know what different pathways it's going to create. Right. Whereas he's not a child who had already developed certain skills and now needs to relearn them. He had never even had those skills yet, aside from your basic functions. Right. And we were very fortunate that, you know, that did happen at the age that it did, because it would have been a lot worse had he been older. He was in the hospital for one month. He was predicted to be there, estimated about six months. And he has just taken the world by surprise since then. And I mean, this boy has put in work. Um, We've done four or five days of therapy a week. We've done intensive therapies through Kennedy Krieger, Johns Hopkins. Summertime, we always double up typically just because our schedule opens up more, especially whenever I'm teaching and I have the summers off um, or you're living in COVID world and you know, you just don't necessarily work, Mm -hmm. but no, I mean, we've done hippotherapy, we've done OT, PT, speech. We've seen just about every single provider that you could imagine as far as a specialty area. And, you know, at this point we now just have like our six month follow-ups. So it's slowed down a lot from obviously what it started off as. But yeah, he wasn't expected to crawl, walk, talk, like no facial recognition based off of the areas of his brain that were affected. And this boy is up and down. He's ready to be out on the basketball court already, like making it with a full, full man basketball on a regular size hoop. It's insane. Um, He's insanely strong, which obviously I would hope whenever you're basically working out five days a week. But that's, that's kind of where I try and pull myself back from the negativity. And you obviously have those moments as a parent where you're just like, why me? Like, Mm -hmm. why does this have to happen? Like, why my child? And I think the one blessing in disguise that I've come to is, you know, they were meant to be twins. Yeah. Because Brayden would not be where he is today if he did not have his brother Colton day in and day out showing him what a typical child his age does. And that's that's something I've been extremely firm on. Aside from obviously the therapies and the work that he's put in, that's that's been a huge part of it. He's always looked up to Colton. He's always wanted to do the same things and it's motivated him even more. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the blessing through it all. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like, how do they interact together? And does he kind of realize that he is special needs or does he understand that yet? I know they're still really young, but does he kind of understand it? So Colton does not. It's something that this past year we've really tried to kind of sit down and vaguely introduce things just like, you know, Brayden might have a more difficult time showing his frustration. Mm -hmm. You know, he might lash out by, throwing things or screaming at you. Whereas like Colton's like, well, what the heck now I'm hurt. (laughs) And it's kind of just like trying to bring him back to understand that Brayden's not necessarily at the same level that he is on certain things. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, I really, I don't think that Colton sees him being much different. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he's asked about 
you know, some of Brayden's scars or things like that. And I've always just said when Brayden was a baby, you know, he had a Mm boo-boo, something like Mm -hmm. very vague, but that was also a big reason why, like I, I had mentioned to you guys earlier, working at Maryland school for the blind, the boys both go here and it was something where, you know, we had the opportunity to have Colton go somewhere else and keep Brayden here specifically for his needs or with the typical peer program that they do have here, it was something that he could kind of immerse himself in. Mm -hmm. And for me, I really feel like even whenever I think about my own upbringing, you're never really introduced to those differences. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just like that expectation, like you just respect it Right. where we actually just asked one of the kids actually the group of them yesterday, kids that we have here. And it was like, what group of friends do you play with outside? And they all named off names that they play with. And you could see kind of like the eye opening moment when we were like, oh, well, do you see the friends that we haven't mentioned yet? Like, why don't we make an effort to go try and help them on like certain parts of the playground? Mm -hmm. Just because they weren't thinking necessarily about like the ways, and a lot of the times they're just intimidated. Um, because oftentimes they see adults helping, but ways that they can interact and the abilities that they do have. And that's a lot of our conversations that I've had with Colton, you know, Colton will say, well, so-and-so isn't able to talk and I'll say, well, no, they can talk. They just have a different way of showing or communicating to you. So some of our friends use iPads, some of them use visual boards, some use, pictures around a room that they might point to, or one of our students here, I was absolutely amazed has, it's called a Toby. And it's literally a computer screen that she controls just with her eye movement. It's insane. Wow. So how far technology has come, but I just love seeing Colton, like he'll walk around. He's helping children who aren't able to walk. They have gate trainers, they have wheelchairs. Like he's always wanting to be the helper. He's always the leader. So just having that understanding and acceptance at a young age is very important to me, especially when our goal is that he's able to be by his brother's side as Braden gets older and might need that backup. Right. Yeah. I think that all that you just shared is so important to hear because even me personally, I feel like I was very sheltered in the fact that with other kids that grew up with special needs, just because I feel like our, our high school was so big that they just had two separate groups and you never really were able to interact with them unless you signed up to like help out or do different things. And so I think that the younger, the better that you can be exposed to differences, but also loving and caring people that are different than you so important. But I I hear you talking about your kids. I hear you talking about your significant other. I want to know what you're doing for you because you have been through a lot in the past five years and it has been a lot to handle and it feels heavy. And so I just want to know what would you tell someone else that is probably going through something that you similar to what you're going through to help them with either mental health or just healing? Yeah, I mean... I think that for the longest time, it was one of those things where there just was not time for myself, especially, you know, with what Braden's needs were with his therapy, constant therapies, follow-up appointments, making sure that Colton's needs were met as well. And then on top of that, you know, I, I eventually had to get back into work and 
my days were just like consumed, especially being a teacher. There's a lot of work and, you know, shout out to all the teachers out there, especially through COVID. Oh my goodness. But there's a lot of work that goes into your daily, monthly, yearly planning. And it was just that constant guilt of coming home. It's already five, six o'clock at night. I'm getting the boys from daycare. You're realizing like so much of your paycheck goes to just having someone else watch your own kids. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's your only way to provide a means of having a place Mm -hmm. for yourself and your children and, you know, having like their basic needs met. But it honestly probably was not until like a couple of months ago that I really started to dive into taking care of myself. I mean, I've heard it every single year, you know, especially from my mom, my mom drills it into my head. You know, you got to take care of yourself if you're wanting to take care of your own kids. And it's something that got always was put on the back burner. And you always have like this sense of guilt, like even still today, you know, I, I finally am back to having my gym membership. And of course they have childcare there have to have that. <laughs> and it's like, we leave school and I'm like, Oh, it's like three 30, four o'clock, but I really want to get a workout in. But then by the time we get home, it's already bedtime. And it's like that constant sense of guilt of mm-hmm. I'm not even with my kids all day. And so it's, it's still a work in progress, but over the past couple of months have really been the first time that I have genuinely accepted how I've been feeling and sought professional help and actually have just like started to immerse myself into different readings, things like that. Because for the longest time, especially for people who are going through custody battles and co-parenting issues, the last thing that you want is your children's father or your children's mother thinking that you're crazy, Mm -hmm. especially when those accusations have already been made. Right. So the last thing that's on my mind is getting myself help with the way that I'm feeling. And I mean, that went on for quite some time until recently, like I said, and finally like opening up and talking with a therapist and feeling like everything that I'm feeling is validated and it's basically normalized Mm -hmm. because you sit there and you, you're in your thoughts, you're in your own emotions. And you're just like, how can like, I feel this way? Like, this is not who I am. This isn't how I typically would respond or how I cope. And you feel crazy. You really do. Mm -hmm. And so really just having like that outlet to talk to someone who's completely unbiased and from a professional standpoint can like help guide me into ways of bettering myself and bettering myself as a person, as a wife, as a mother. That's really probably been one of the biggest steps that I've taken for myself aside from trying to make my health a priority again, um, getting back to the gym, kind of just having like those little moments. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important because I feel like a lot of us have that connotation in the back of our minds of like therapy means that something's wrong with me and Mm -hmm. I can't fix it myself. And all of us as women or a lot of us as women are, you know, we have that innate nature to like want to own everything and like fix everything. And sometimes you just can't and you need that unbiased opinion. So I appreciate you sharing that, that that's helped you. That's definitely helped us. We're both the same way. We really (laughs) believe in therapy, even though we're not moms, but I think everyone has their own thing. So we always ask this, if you could go back in time to just starting out in this basketball industry and tell us one thing that you've learned that would help you today, what would that be? 
never to plan for my husband to be home when he says he will. No. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a good one. <laughs> I would say one of the biggest takeaways is, and it kind of intertwined too with everything that I had going on with the co-parenting because immediately, like one of the first things that I thought about were holidays mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my goodness, like I've spent every single holiday since the boys were born. Like I can't even imagine, like it just, it crushed me. So really trying to think about that. And once, you know, I met John and you realize very quickly that basketball is a year round season. (laughs) It's, it's one of those things where the holidays now come up and I'm like, you know, the boys are either going to be here, they're going to be there but I am not going to stress myself out Mm -hmm. with, you know, making other people happy to be places for the holiday, if you will. So people are always welcome to come visit me, (laughs) but I've taken enough road trips to know that my children will drive me absolutely crazy, especially when they're road trips that I have to take on my own because, you know, holiday time is prime time for basketball season. Mm -hmm. And I've just, I've learned to accept that it can be celebrated on different days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that perspective. Yeah, we have to yeah. have that perspective too. We get it. And we appreciate you coming on here and just pouring out your heart and being so open and vulnerable to the audience because I know that it's not easy. And so we are just so thankful that you are here and thank you for sharing everything with us today. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. And if anyone wants to find you on Instagram, maybe they want to connect with you, have a similar story they want to share with you, where can they find you at? It is Casey Lee 22. So that's C-A-S-E-Y-L-E-I-G-H 22. Perfect. And thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast for the latest updates. If you've enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.